Enoch is unique in Scripture because he's one of only two individuals who never died. Elisha is the, uh, Elijah is the other one. And you might remember from 2 Kings chapter 2 that Elijah was the most significant prophet of Israel at that time. And he was mentoring, discipling, equipping a younger protege named Elisha. And so toward the end of Elijah's time on earth, Elisha said, Elijah, what, what God is doing through you is something significant, and I want to be able to carry that on. I, I want to be a part of, of this ministry. And so would you, would you bestow on me a double portion of your spirit? And in other words, make sure that, that I can minister with the same power that you can. And Elijah said, well, that, that decision really ends it up to me. You know, if I could, I, I would give this to you, but, but God's the one who does the empowering. And so I, I'm about to leave earth, and if you see me as I leave earth, and then you will know that your request has been granted. And then Elijah left, the Bible says, in a chariot of fire. I, I would love to have seen that. You know, he hopped in it and just starts swirling up into the sky. Uh, and, and so Elijah is one of the people who never died. Enoch is the other one. And we get his story here in Genesis chapter 5. We're going to read uh, verses 19 through 24. Eventually, we're going to look at, at several others. But verses 19 through 24 is where we're going to, to pick up Enoch's story. Genesis chapter 5, verse 19. Actually, let's back up into verse 18. Genesis 5, 18 says, Jared was 162 years old when he fathered Enoch. And Jared lived 800 years. Does anybody happen to know this biblical trivia, why Jared lived so long? He lived 962 years. Scholars say it's because so many people went to Jared for their diamonds and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's why he lived so long. So many they, people were paying for his medical care. He went to Jared. So Jared lived 800 years after he fathered Enoch. We're not going to have supper anymore if y'all are going to be slow to catch on to things. <laughs> If you get full and slow and dull, then we'll just cut that out. <laughs> so Jared lived 800 years after he fathered Enoch, and he fathered other sons and daughters. So Jared's life lasted 962 years, then he died. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after he fathered Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was not there because God took him. I've heard this old, anal I mean, this old fictional story, and I don't know, you know how you feel about it, but the way that uh, someone once read this passage to me, or just explain this passage, they said that Enoch walked with God every day of his life. 365 years, he was in intimate relationship with God, and that at, 
in the 365th year, God said, well, Enoch, we've walked so far together. We're closer to my house than to yours. Let's just go on home. Now, I don't know if that's how it happened or not. We just know that one day Enoch was there and then he wasn't there. He, he was gone because God said, it's time for you to come home. But the theme that I really want us to focus on is that little phrase in verse 24, and really in verses 22 and 24, Enoch walked with God. That's a great description of life. That is a worthy goal to try to have to say, I want to walk with God. And I want to try to squeeze in four lessons about walking with God based on Enoch's life here and what we can learn from this really compressed passage. First, when you're thinking about walking with someone, you have to be going in the same direction, right? If you are going to go walking with someone, if you're going to travel with someone, you have to be going to the same destination. If you reach a point where your desired destination is different from the other person's desired destinations, then you still can go, but you can't go together. You have to, you have to part ways and go in different directions. And so here what we learn about Enoch is that whatever direction God was going, that's the direction Enoch was going. God, my value system, my priorities, what I treasure is the same as what you value and, and prioritize and treasure. And so let's go together. For any of us who would say, man, that, that really challenges me. I, I would like to walk with God. Well, then that decision automatically means that we have to say, God, whatever direction you're going, that's the direction I'm going. Well, what direction is God going? God is going always in the direction of truth. God's never going in the direction of what is wrong. God is always going in the direction of what is loving. God's never going in the direction of what is not loving. And so as we begin to explore God's word, we begin to, to discover more and more who God is. We learn about what God treasures, what he cherishes, what he prizes, what he values. And then we begin to align ourselves with those same values. Listen, there are lots of people sitting in church pews who do not walk with God. Now, they check off some boxes in terms of, well, I did this and I did this. But when it comes to the core of their value systems, really when there is a confrontation, they will choose to do what they want to do instead of what God wants to do. Well, at that point, then God and that person separate. They're not walking with each other anymore. So that speaks to Enoch's character to be able to say for the entire time that he was living, he walked with God. He and God were going in the same direction. They shared the same values, the same priorities, and they went in the same direction. So if we want to make an application to say, I think I'd really like to walk with God, then we have to discover which direction is God walking. We can't walk with God if we're not going the same direction He is. The second thing that I think is important here is the idea of Enoch's awareness that he needed to walk with God. Now, what I want to say here is, is this universal principle. Every single person on earth needs 
to walk with God. Otherwise, life is not as fulfilling. It is certainly less honorable to God. It, it, is, it is not hitting on all cylinders unless we are walking with God. God's the one who's crea- God is the one who created us. He knows us better than anybody else. He knows the right pathways that will, that will be best for us. But there are plenty of people who don't have the awareness that they need to be walking with God. It isn't until a crisis occurs that then all of us are, oh God, now I know that I really haven't been praying very much, but I'm really going to start praying now, and I mean it. And they do mean it for about two weeks. And then the crisis is over, and so is the awareness of their dependence upon God. This walking metaphor is something that demonstrates consistency. In, in the sense of, hey, I, I need to do this regularly. Some of you may have been superior students when you were in school. And you always kept up with your homework and, and things like that. You did your daily assignments. Some of you didn't. That's why you didn't graduate till you were 34. <laughs> but, you, but you may not have done the same. When I was in seminary in New Orleans... There was a guy who lived next door to Marty and me whose name was Mike Smith. And Mike loves Jesus, but he did not love school. And on top of that, Mike would get, Mike was from Baton Rouge, and he would arrive. Seminaries don't have classes on Mondays because so many ministers have church jobs on Sundays that it's hard for them to get back to New Orleans. And so we would start classes on Tuesday morning and end them on Friday afternoon. And Mike would, I mean, at the last possible minute, if his first class was at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning, you could see his, his car smoking and hear his tires squealing getting into, uh, getting into New Orleans Seminary at the last possible minute. And on Fridays, when his last class was coming, last class was ending, Mike would have his car packed up. He would back it into the parking spot so that he wouldn't even have to to have that extra time. And he immediately, we head to Baton Rouge because he was in love with the girl over there. And so he spent as little time in New Orleans as possible. And the time that he did spend in New Orleans, he spent mainly on the phone with her. And so when, when everybody else would be studying for exam, you know, looking for, hey, we've got an exam coming up next week. We need to start kind of laying the groundwork, not Mike. Oh, baby, I miss you so bad. Uh, Friday, when I get here, we're going to go on an expensive date. We're going to Sonic. And so they would do, I mean, he, he would put it off and 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 put it off. And then the night before the exam, the night before the paper was due, the night before, you could walk past his his dorm room. And out of courtesy to everybody else, he would have the door closed, but you could look underneath there, and that light would not go off the entire evening. And he would come out of the, the room the next morning. His hair would look like Albert Einstein. You know, he would make his way. You know, I, I think I've got it. I think I've got it. The last possible minute. 
Now, Mike needed to have been studying the whole time. He needed to have been doing his work little by little by little, but you could not convince him of that. It wasn't until the pressure of that deadline that he said, okay, now I'm really serious about this. And a lot of people are like that in their relationship with God. If they don't have an emergency, they don't give God a thought. If, if the bottom doesn't fall out, if they're not in trouble, if they don't have some issue that is really weighing on them, they just sail through life without any awareness at all of, hey, I am dependent upon God. Now, notice the phrasing that I said. I did not say that they sail through life not dependent on God. They are dependent on God. They just don't know it. But Enoch recognize, God, I'm not going to make it if I don't walk with you. I'm not going to wait until a crisis. I'm not going to wait until an emergency. I have to find ways to make sure that you and I are still walking in the same direction. And haven't you noticed this? The people that walk with God handle crisis and emergency situations much better than the people who only want to walk with God during the crisis and emergency situations. There's something about that steady, ongoing relationship with God that feeds us to the point where when those times come, we may be shaken, but we're not crushed by them. Enoch walked with God. He, he had a sense of an awareness. God, when I awaken tomorrow morning, I will need to check in with you to make sure that I'm on your agenda and your priority system. I don't want to miss what you are doing in me. I don't want to miss what you want to say to me. There's, there's this sense of dependence, the awareness that Enoch had I'm not going to make it if I'm not walking with God. And so Enoch and God were walking in the same direction. There was the awareness of, hey, I really need God. Third, I think there's something that, that I want to add. I've kind of mentioned it, but I want to add about the consistency of Enoch's walking with God. Enoch lived in a time that walking with God was not easy. I mean, we're in Genesis chapter 5. Does anybody know what, does anybody remember what happens in Genesis chapter 6? Rain. In Genesis chapter 6, I mean, we're not, I don't even have to turn the page. In Genesis chapter 6, the world is so wicked that God said, I got to start over. I mean, these people have, they, they have come up with all kinds of sins and they just keep, they just keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper into perversity and wickedness. And despite all of that, Enoch said, regardless of what they do, I want to walk with God. There's some determination. There's some diligence there. Now, some people kind of insulate themselves, don't they? they? They never are in an environment where there is lots of ungodliness or pagan behavior. You know, they, they kind of settle into their, their uh, Christian 
culture, and they don't really branch out of that. And, and sometimes they may not have a, a realization of just how difficult walking with God is for some people because of their work environment, their school environment, their home environment. In fact, let me tell you, two summers ago, I was speaking at a camp in South Carolina, and one of the evenings, a girl received Jesus Christ as Savior, said, look, I, I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. She was on cloud nine. She was excited. She went to call her mom. Her mom's response to her was, when you get home, your bags will be packed on the porch. That mother put that girl out of the house. I called to follow up with the camp le- Some of us have never been through what other people have to pay to walk with God. But in Enoch's situation, he said, no matter how much people try to get me not to walk with God, I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to keep going with him. Have you ever, uh, th- does anybody here like to go to the lake or the river or anything like that? Does anybody have a boat or any of that type stuff? I did not grow up, um, you know, doing that. I, I mentioned a-, a couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a doctor in West Point who would take us up to Pickwick one time a summer. And so that was really my only exposure to that kind of thing. I did not go to the lake or the river very much. I didn't want to be a stumbling block when I took off my shirt. I didn't want there to be, you know, crashes on the time. I didn't want barges turning over and that kind of stuff. So I just never really did that much. But when I started at Mount Vernon, um, I went out to Lake Lowndes one day with Andy Caldwell, Kyle Younger, and somebody else. I think he's in prison now. And so um, we were out there, and I had not ever, as a college student, I had never ridden on an inner tube. In the, and so they said, hey, why don't you try this? And so I said, okay, or actually then in college, okay, that's how I sounded then when puberty hit me at 28, one of the happiest days of my life. And so I, you know, put the little life jacket on and went swimming out there. And I could see them up in the boat, you know, they're giggling and talking and stuff like that. And so they take off. And uh, I was, you know, hanging on pretty good for a little while. I thought, hey, this is, this is not so bad. You know, waving at the people on the... And then, then they decided, let's, let's start going faster. Let's go, let's go faster than five miles an hour. And so they pulled that throttle down, and I said, oh, okay. And I got this determination on me, and I gripped that thing, and I said, I don't care what, they're, what they do. I am staying on this inner tube. And I was hanging on, you know, you know all this kind of st- debris flying at me, and, that, and they kept swinging out here, and I would scoot over a little bit, and I would... And, I, and then one time they made this sharp turn and the inner tube flipped over like this and then back over fairly rapidly and I was still hanging on and I thought what about that and then I realized when that inner tube flipped over 
my pants <laughs> left back there. And so I let go of the inner tube and went swimming back there. Got my, I'm through, guys. We can go on in for the rest of the day now. But it was that determination to hang on that I was just fighting to do that. That's what I'm sure Enoch had to do. If you live in a time when, when one page later God says, this place is so wicked, I'm just going to have to destroy everything. Walking with God could not have been easy. And for some of us, it's not. Now, some of us don't, you know, interact in a lot of really godless pagan environments. But sometimes the battle on the inside is just as much as the battle on the outside. And so for Enoch to walk with God, he had to be determined to say, God, I am going to do this. I really want my life to just be step by step with you. And then there's one last thing. I want to, I want to show you the difference that walking with God makes. Let's go through this genealogy together. Read with me beginning in verse 5. So Adam's life lasted 930 years, then he died. Verse 8. So Seth's life lasted 912 years, then he died. Verse 11. So Enosh's life lasted 905 years, then he died. Verse 14. So Kenan's life lasted 910 years, then he died. Verse 17. So Mahalalel's life lasted 895 years, and then he died. Verse 20. So Jared's life lasted 962 years, and then he died. Verse 27. So Methuselah's life lasted 969 years, then he died. Verse 31. So Lamech's life lasted 777 years, then he died. Every other person in the chapter, he was, he lived this many years, then he died. He was, he lived this many years, then he died. But not Enoch. Verse 24, the way that his story ends is, Enoch walked with God, then he was not there because God took him. There's a stark difference in this world with people who walk with God. They're not the same as everybody else. They don't blend in in the same bland culture. There's something distinctive about a person who chooses to say, I am going to walk with God every day. Whatever God wants from me at work, at school, whatever God works, wants from me as I interact with neighbors, whatever God wants from me, I am going to walk with God. There is something different about that person. This passage, I mean, it's a, then he died, lived, then he died, lived, then he died, lived, then he died. But Enoch walked with God, and he just wasn't there anymore. He's different. And that's the way that God wants us to live. He wants us to live with a distinctiveness that causes other people to say, look, I see how everybody else is. You're not like that. You are not that way. And then that gives us the opportunity to explain the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. When people notice the different direction that we are walking, we have the opportunity to say, well, look, I'm going to tell you the reason that I'm going this direction. That's the direction Jesus is going. 
and I want to go the same direction he does. I'm really excited about uh, the next two weeks on Sunday. I'm going to do on Sundays. I'm going to do a short two-part series called Tempted and Tried. Uh, I can't remember what the subtitle is, but it's something like Hope for Hard Times or something like that. And Sunday morning, we are going to talk about Joseph, Old Testament Joseph, not New Testament Joseph. I, I kind of wanted to build off of tonight, and we're going to look at how Joseph handled being tempted. What did he do when he was confronted with the opportunity to do what was wrong, especially when mama and daddy weren't watching over him anymore? How did he handle in a really godless environment the pressure to do what is wrong? So this Sunday, we're going to look at being tempted. And then the next Sunday, August the 21st, we're going to look at being tried. And the passage is when John the Baptist was in prison he sent word to Jesus and said, Jesus, look, if you're really the son of God, why am I in prison? I mean, I'm out here faithful. I'm out here preaching for you. If you were going to, to rescue somebody, surely it should be me. But I'm here in, in this prison. You haven't even come to see me. And sometimes we feel like we're in prison cells and we don't understand at all what God is doing or why he isn't doing something that we want him to do. And so... That's what we're going to look at for the next two weeks, and I'm, I'm working on those messages, and I'm excited about them. So I hope you'll be here. I hope you'll invite someone to come with you, and I hope that when you invite someone, you'll make sure to tell them, hey, stick around for Sunday school so that we can grow together in a small group setting as well. All right, I thank you for being here tonight. I'll close us in a word of prayer. Is there anything else that we need to say before we go? All right, let's bow together. Father, we're grateful to you for the example of people in your word like Enoch. Um, there's, there's nothing really spectacular or uh, remarkable about the way that he lived other than he just consistently walked with you. And sometimes we think that great heroes have to go fight giants or lead people out of Egypt into the promised land, but you are pleased when we simply day by day choose to go in the same direction that you're going. And so we want to do that tomorrow and, and Friday and Saturday. And then, Lord, we want you to bring us back here together as a family of faith to be recharged and to encourage each other to go out to live another week for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.